Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Jose Palomino, founder of Value Prop, and you're a host on Business Growth on Purpose. And today I am privileged to actually have one of our clients at Value Prop, Scott Hoffman of Jade International, CEO, founder, owner of this very important and very interesting business. He's going to talk to us today about the business, which involves, if you're involved in any international business, you'll definitely want to listen closely. And then we're going to talk about the need for really thinking through how you expand your business, how you add people, especially if you're acquiring, let's say, another small company to join your firm, and how that actually works from somebody who has practical, actual experience doing just that very successfully with his firm at Jade. So without further ado, I'm very excited to welcome Scott Hoffman to our show. Welcome, Scott, to Business Growth on Purpose. Hello, Jose. Thanks for uh, the invite and having me here. I'm looking absolutely forward looking it. forward to it. So, Scott, uh, just for our audience' sake, if you could just give us a little context as to what you do and who you do it for. Uh, my name is Scott Hoffman. I am um, owner of Jade International. We are international freight forwarders, customs house brokers. We serve a broad client mix from billion dollar firms down to small companies um, that are importing uh, from suppliers around the world or exporting their goods all around the world or managing complex supply chains with parts moving all over the world. Wow. So that's kind of what uh, I think in prior conversations, you've mentioned to me, Scott, that it's like being a travel agent for your stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. It is a way of people say, what's a freight forwarder? Well, it's a travel agent for people's cargo and, and making sure that we're helping them grow their business in a logical, cost-effective manner. So, you know, in the U.S.-based thing, right? If I need to get a box of something to somebody, I go to my UPS outlet and I just drop it off. I get a label and it's done. Uh, isn't the rest of the world that easy? <laughs> Not even close. Um, it, it gets rather complex. There's different regions of the world uh, that literally don't have the infrastructure, don't have the communications, the road systems. Uh, some of the carriers are quite sophisticated. Some are not. Um, and you've got to manage all of that. There's data systems from a thousand different entities. Some talk together, some do not. So it can be rather complex. And we have a, a series of really qualified agent partners around the world, um, really high class vendor relationships that allow us to navigate all of those complexities for our clients. Wow. So you have a, a staff of what, of experts that do this kind of work? I mean, are, do you employ the travel agents, I guess, is the question. Well, exactly. So 
We currently have 35 staff members where probably about 28 or 30 of them are involved in that setting up of the logistics, the movement, the clearances, the exporting, and managing all that compliance for uh, all the government regulations and agencies that would be involved. So I had a, a client years ago that made globes, geographic globes, right? So they would, uh, the certain category, they actually manufactured in the US, but there was a, a tier of product that they wanted to go through big box, like, you know, Targets and so on and Walmart. So they actually had it manufactured in China and had to ship it. So I'm just curious for that simple move to get a container full. I mean, how many steps are involved in that to get it to finally uh, on, on the shelves at Target? A lot. Um, there's how and what is the goal? What is the distribution? Obviously, a Target and some of these bigger box stores are going to have far more complex uh, requirements that we need to match. It may be a certain chip palette or a label on every side in a certain location. Finding out exactly what those requirements are. Are there any restrictions? Are there paints? Is there other government agencies involved? Mm -hmm. Are there restrictions to trade? All of those questions need to be asked. Uh, what is the duty rate? Why go through these machinations, but the actual logistics of it is what we do every day. So between us, our partners, our vendor relationships here, you're still negotiating rates and space and equipment, um, having people pick it up at a location. Do they want to deliver it? They may have their own trucks. Well, then I don't need to send my people in. if They already have those pieces in place, if I can leverage something for the client that's going to save them time and money or put them in a faster position, we want to look at all of those things. And the way to do it is to do it up front and before you do it. So we can literally deliver the client a logistics solution or a supply chain solution that will meet what they're trying to do. And then also with those big box stores, you've got to meet their requirements. What do they need for certain seasonal things, peak season surcharges? They're all things that the client uh, and we help our clients navigate all that. Wow. So that's a, that's a it sounds like a lot of complexity and it sounds like it's still a, a, a function that still requires people with expertise to do well. It is. And we're on the phone with these people all the time. Um, there's communications. We see them. We meet them. Um, it, it's not that our clients can't do it if they've got dedicated staff. But even when they do have dedicated staff, we're a resource that gives them a bandwidth and, and just a level of expertise that many companies have um, difficulty either finding the sources or getting that trust where you, you really build, like that's where we're at our best. When us and the, the client are just of the same mindset, we understand and take the time to learn what they want, what they need, what their clients or suppliers need. So that now it literally becomes us as a part of their company where we're managing that for them, saving them time, saving them money um, across their board. 
Right. So, and I know like, and I use the big box example as many other examples, but in that scenario, um, delivering timely on time as expected delivering, as you said, where the labels placed on the box, all that stuff. Otherwise you get like, I think demerits or you get the credits to the invoice. Right. So, um, you know, so unless you're really ready for that, you could be shocked at how harsh that environment could be unless you really scale for that. So it's great that you guys are asking those questions up front. Right. Yeah. Demerge, detention, all those charges and, and the, they're real things. And everybody went through this period. They all know they're real things. It's key to understand that you can't control weather. You can't control all these things. They're going to happen but you can minimize them. You can, you know, I'm going to sit here and tell people there's not hurricanes that are out in the middle of the ocean that have to be dealt with. Right. Um, but you can manage them. You can proactively build um, supply chains around those things and manage accordingly. So one area that I'm always, I mean, I know about it as, a, let's say, a reader of the Wall Street Journal kind of thing around tariffs. But as a practical matter, I mean, tariffs actually can change pretty quickly. And like the, it's not something that is necessarily once a year. It's like an ongoing, as I understand it, it's like this web of regulations that's always being adjusted. Is that something your firm gets involved in helping clients figure out? Right. There, there's certain, you know, an easy one is, is sugar and quotas and, and some items come in they're under quota. Only so much of that product is going to be allowed into this country or other countries, other countries um, to protect a particular market. Um, they'll place quotas on things. They'll only allow so much in. And the folks that you're working with in my space, as far as the brokerage and the clearance, need to be aware of those things so that um documentation is being followed timely, correctly, that everybody involved understands their responsibilities, understands the regulations, so that all the documentation is correct, thorough, so that now when it does become available, it can be done. Um, there were the um, Trump tariffs, so to speak, of a few years back uh, with China, that really caught a lot of companies off guard as they were implemented over a course of months. Um, and, and having that trusted partner uh, that can guide you, that you have a resource where you can call on a phone and say, hey, can we talk about this? Where do you see this affecting us? Is, is really, I think, valuable to a lot of importers and um, exporters if they're exporting those goods. Right, because we're not the only country with tariff regime, Correct. right? It's, it's exactly. the global market, right? So, so Scott, I know part of your growth, and it's been significant growth over the last couple of years, but part of that growth has also been acquisition, where you've actually acquired firms and so on. You know, so you're, I love your entrepreneurial story of taking your firm, buying other firms and so on. But one of the challenges whenever that takes place is, of course, integrating people. Right. And you mentioned <laughs> yes, all the professionals is. you have, which seem to be, you know, they're probably highly trained, highly skilled, experienced and so on. Maybe they do things their way, whatever. And now you're bringing it together into a way that would fall into the jade process and so on. So as the CEO owner of this, what were some of the maybe challenges or things you learned 
about integrating firms? Because I think many people listening to this might be thinking, I'm just going to buy that small machine shop with 10 people to add capacity and so on. And they think it's just signing the paperwork that gets it done. But there's right. a lot more to it, right? So right. what are some lessons you might share with fellow owners thinking about doing similar things that you did? First, I'd like to say, wow, what a question. Um, great question. Uh, probably the single most thing I didn't anticipate, Jose, was the impact of culture. Both of the, the companies had really differing cultures in how we approached it. The common thing that both companies had that I saw and that attracted me to it was both companies basically had a passion for the client. They, they came about it different ways, but both companies really cared about their clients and were client-centered. We had a lot of gristling. There was a lot of that back and forth, but I think that commonness helped us to work through all those issues and actually made both sides of that company better and stronger because now we started listening to each other. Well, no, I want to serve the client this way. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I personally, as long as my clients are being served, I'm okay with it. Right. So that's kind of where I, so it, it resonated, but it was a real challenge and a lot of work to get through that and then keep that client focus and take the best parts from both approaches to kind of refine it and define it so that at the end of the day, we heard and listened to our team, but the focus remained on the client and their business. And that was always key to me. Well, it's interesting. So, you know, what, what came to light as you or to mind as you described that situation, it was uh, this is maybe 20, 30 years ago. And, and I don't want to name the airline because I may misattribute this story, but it's a true story. In the Everglades, um, pilots are fooling around with the check in, like a light was going off and so on. And they started really fixating on this light that was blinking, literally slammed into the Everglades. 300 souls were lost. Um, you know, a, Terrible tragedy, but it was definitely pilot error in that situation because they took their eye off job one, which is keep the, keep the plane in the air. So you described this bringing cultures together, bringing people together. It would be easy to fixate on that as job one. And so how often did you kind of have to remind people like, hey, <laughs> job one is the customer. We'll figure this stuff out, but we got to we got to always keep our eye on the customer every day never stopped. There, there was never a uh, job one is the client. And we serve such a, a mix of clients and businesses, each with their own set of parameters. And part of our service is to actually listen to them and understand what are their specific needs to meet and serve their specific clients. Because these international uh Things are like you said earlier. It's not like just shoving a box in a truck and calling it a day. It's got to be tracked. It's got to be entered correctly. There's fines, there's penalties, there's all of these things. So client focus was a constant um, focus. It was also 
Jose, I want to say this in a nice way. It really gives my team members the ability to serve the client as an individual. If literally their goal is serve the client, let's just take care of the client. And then we'll worry about all the other stuff after that. Mm -hmm. They now have a guidance and a, a point where they can focus their activities and their expertise so that it brings even a more defined situation. So it, it brought us also a common language that we could all focus on. And, and, and I couldn't have been happier with the way everybody responded to that. But it was a lot of daily work. Daily work. Okay. And, um, you know, sometimes we always hear this ever since Michael Gerber wrote the E-Myth, right? Work on your business, not in your business, right? So, and, and there's a great truth to that, right? If you want to create an asset of long-term value and so on, that's very important, no doubt. Yet leadership is something that organizations, in my opinion, don't thrive without effective leadership. So, <laughs> so you can't abdicate, especially in the case of an acquisition or you're bringing people in and so on. So, that daily, would your advice be to a fellow owner looking at doing something similar to what you did is you look, whatever else you think you're going to have to strap on and be involved in a deep way for a while. Right. Well, I, I move freight. Okay. So, you know, me, uh, you've sadly seen me sweating. You've seen me on forklifts. Um, I've done container unloads with new employees on their first day where I said, hey, guess what? I've got a client that needs this container unloaded and we've got a staffing issue or whatever. It's still going to get done. It's going to get done by me. It's going to get done by a, you know, so now a, a, an employee is, I'm not working on the business at that time. I'm working in the business. Right. And there are days where you work in the business. I'll work on the business later, but right now, we need to do this work. And that's that blend and balance that all of us go through of what do we need to be working on now? Uh, I found that I would have to schedule time out um, to literally work on the business. It's still important. You still need to do it. But no, in those early days, I spent far more time in the business than necessarily on the business. But yeah, it's... It's also rewarding work because it lets me stay attached to the business and I can drive value to my clients through that process as well, because now I know their product. Maybe if there's a packaging issue, uh, if there's something that needs to be brought to that client, I've seen their packaging firsthand. I've dealt with it. So now I can actually go back to them with authoritative expert advice on, hey, by doing this, you can probably avoid this and maybe avoid some insurance ramifications later and deliver a better product to your client. Wow. So, yeah. And, and that goes to, you know, a lot of times uh, business owners, we get advice that's a little bit uh, from Mountain Olympus type advice. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the purist, right? Don't do this, only do that. And then in the real world, like you said, you, the client is number one, has to be taken care of. And, but you move in in that direction. And I also love what you said, Scott, and I, I definitely think it's good advice is sometimes you got to get out of the office. So either go to a conference, join a peer group like a Vistage or, or something, or just go to Starbucks with a pad 
and turn the phone off for two hours and see what happens there. You know, sometimes it could be that that moment of inspiration where you think of something new. So, Scott, I want to shift a little bit towards the future. Right. So we are, I think, now as we record this, this, uh, this episode, kind of in a post post COVID time. Right. So, you know, last uh, in 2023, we were talking about post COVID, but now I'm not even hearing people talk about that at all. So my point is. Yet we're in an interesting time. Right. So, yes. And, you know, and there's memories of what happened two years ago, three years ago and so on. And people are looking at the future. You as a business owner and you're like in this international trade world that you've seen things. What would be um, one or two key points you would tell a fellow business owner about how to maybe lead their team into the future in this future that we're all facing right now? What what are some things you think they should be keeping their eye on? That's a great question. That is a great question. Um, I keep my eyes focused on the fundamentals. I, I literally start with my client. What do they need in their business world? How can I help them? I am a huge proponent of international trade. I, I, I think we as people, I, I've been blessed with knowing people all around the world, um, agent, partners, clients, suppliers. They bring a value and a flavor to my life. I enjoy uh, serving them. I enjoy working with them and laboring with them together. So I keep my eyes focused on them. I find the world to be an interesting place. We're interdependent. We're in more interdependent now than we've ever been. Um, I think there's value in growing your business internationally, being more connected to that, treating people with respect, one email, one phone call at a time, no matter where they may be in the world, mm-hmm. and working together um, to provide the service, um, I'm intrigued by it. I I think there's always going to be a need for it. I know we want to automate everything. I I get it. And I think there's still a need for for people and and humans to conduct and do things together and to uh, bring in the the AI and all these other things that are out there. I find them all intriguing. Um, And stay focused on the core events treating my vendors with respect because at the end of the day, by treating that vendor with respect, they're the ones that are picking up my cargo, delivering my customers cargo. I want them to be respectful on time. And so I treat them with respect. Mm. And I think there's a real place for that. Um, Those fundamentals in business that when the markets are in turmoil and the world is crazy and we're dealing with COVID or the next issue or whatever the, the problem's going to be. I think those fundamentals and those core values are what keep us grounded and moving forward. And so I'm still optimistic uh, with business, with my space, with my company, and the, the people that I surround myself with. That's fantastic, Scott. I really, that's an encouraging word, I think, for anybody. And it really is a reminder that, you know, be a start with like being a good human treat people well and good things start happening it's not i mean 
it doesn't sound like a formula, but it actually is a fundamental thought, right? And it, and it, it sure helps. Wow, fantastic. Now, Scott, if somebody wanted to know more about your firm, what you do, and to learn more online, maybe reach out if they should have a need, if anybody listening needs to move product, where should they go on the web to learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jose. Uh, Jade Intel or international, J-A-D-E-I-N-T-L.com. Our website is the best place. Now, you, you hinted. We're a growing firm. We are working on our website. We are adding materials. We have content there now. We are actively engaged in putting video, more how-tos. Why should you this? How can I do that for our clients? So over the months, I would I would appreciate not only them going there, but also any feedback or comments as we build more material uh, for them. So thank Fantastic. you. Well, we'll have links to your website on the show notes, and we'll also have your, your LinkedIn profile as well. So anyone reaching out to anyone moving product, it needs a travel agent for your stuff. Scott Hoffman is the man. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today on Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jose. Thank you, everyone, for listening as well. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, Come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.